My name is Heidi, and I love stories. Funny stories, sad stories, and what on earth just happened stories. As it turns out, the Bible is full of them. And after two decades in Sunday school and a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. In a surprising but also not that surprising turn of events, Rebecca, Isaac's wife, was infertile. This is surprising because God had chosen her to be the carrier of the promise through her ability to give birth to children. Also not that surprising because Sarah, Abraham's wife, was also infertile and unable to have children. This does not take that long to figure out, by the way, in a pre-birth control world. You know, because there was no birth control. Well, Isaac prayed, and eventually his wife Rebecca did get pregnant. However, her pregnancy was really rough, and not rough in the normal morning sickness way, rough in the it felt like the baby wouldn't stop moving kind of way, in like a painful, disturbing, not just, oh, baby's kicking, but like the baby is practicing karate kind of way. So she prayed and asked God, and God told her that there were actually two nations within her womb, not just two babies. Two entire people groups were fighting each other within her, and that their struggle would continue after birth, and eventually the older would serve the younger. Well, lo and behold, when Rebecca gave birth, boom, twins. The first one they named Esau because he was covered in red hair all over his body. Esau means red, so they basically just named him, it's Ginger, the same way that Eve named Cain, Cain, because it's a man. (laughs) The next one they named Jacob, which means heel grabber, because he was holding on to Esau's heel when he was born. I really do like this naming system, this matriarch-patriarch naming system of just like, look, a man, look, a redhead, look, a heel-grabbing little jerk. It works out nicely, and you get a lot more warnings about what kind of person the baby is going to be. So Esau is the oldest, the redhead, and Jacob, the heel-grabber, is the younger. As they grow up, you have a real Thor and Loki kind of situation in that Esau grows up to be a skilled hunter, an outdoorsy kind of dude, just this fuzzy bear of a man and also prone to marrying foreign women and disappointing his parents. And Jacob was a quiet, kind of mama's boy who hung out at the tents. Unsurprisingly, Isaac preferred his big, rugged son Esau, and Rebecca preferred her quiet, stay-at-home boy Jacob, keeping in mind that Rebecca also knows that eventually Jacob will end up in charge of the family. Personally, I suspect that Rebecca knew that Jacob was God's favorite as well, which we find out way, 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 way later that this is in fact true. In any case, she prefers Jacob because he stays at home, and Isaac prefers Esau because Esau hunts big game, and big game tastes good to Isaac. Once they're adults, Esau reveals that not only is he a big bear of a red-headed hunter, he's also an idiot. So he goes out and goes hunting and does not do very well on this particular hunting trip, and Jacob, unsurprisingly, stays at home and cooks some soup. When Esau comes back to the tents and smells Jacob's red lentil soup, yes, Esau the redhead is smelling a red soup, he realizes that he is famished with hunger and tells his little brother that he is going to die if he just doesn't have any of this soup. He's so hungry. And Jacob's like, oh, yes, I can give you some soup if you give me your birthright in exchange for it. Now, here's the thing about the birthright. It entitled the oldest to have double the inheritance of everyone else in the family. That basically means that while Esau is going to get twice the inheritance that Jacob is going to get, Jacob is offering a bowl of soup in exchange for that right. Esau here reveals that he is the biggest moron in the history of morons because he says yes. He says, who cares? I'm going to die anyway and you're going to get all the inheritance. Keep in mind that Jacob is a stay-at-home boy, so Esau could probably ask any of their servants to give him some food. But no, Esau is bound and determined to have some of Jacob's soup that Jacob has already made. Jacob is not going to take yes for an answer and tells Esau that he needs to swear that he will give him the birthright. This is not a breakable oath. This is like not 
optional. There's no way for Esau to go back on it. And Esau freaking does it. He just swears to give Jacob the birthright, eats some soup, and goes away. After that, Esau eventually gets sour grapes about it and is like, I don't want the birthright anyway. And he despises the fact that he gave it to Jacob, but also despises the birthright. Jacob, the younger, has now successfully wormed his way into the right of the oldest as far as the inheritance goes. However, there is still the blessing of their father. At this point, God has reiterated the promise he made to Abraham and given it to Isaac. It's kind of cool that God actually does remake the promise to each successive generation. So there's not this sense of, oh, the promise applied to my dad, but maybe it doesn't really apply to me. No, no, no. God reinstitutes the promise with Isaac. Isaac is therefore aware that whatever blessing he gives to his sons is going to carry the power of this promise that is really, really cosmically important. Isaac is also at this point blind because he's become an old man. His sons are both grown and he can no longer see. Since he's on the upper half of life, he decides that he wants to give the blessing to his sons. He tells Esau to go out and find him some game, kill it, cook it, bring it to him, and he will give him the blessing. Rebecca, Isaac's wife, overhears this plan and tells Jacob to do the same thing. Go slaughter a goat, cook it exactly the way his father likes, and sneak into his blind dad and steal the blessing out from under Esau. Jacob points out that while Esau is covered in hair and super masculine smelling, Jacob is not. He's a smooth-armed little boy. Rebecca has a clever solution for Jacob's hairless arms, and also the fact that he doesn't smell anything like Esau, since, you know, Isaac's blind, but he's not crazy. Rebecca tells Jacob to use the goat skin from the goat that he slaughters to cover his arm and to put on some of Esau's clothes that he smells correct. Well, Jacob does it. He slaughters the animal, does the goat skin hairy arm thing, and puts on some of Esau's clothes and goes in to see Isaac. Isaac hears Jacob's voice and is confused. This is the voice of my son Jacob, but the smell of my son Esau? Question mark. Jacob comes closer and lets Isaac feel his arms. And once Isaac feels the arms of who he believes is Esau, he gives this glorious blessing to Jacob. The blessing entails getting the best of the grain of the land, the best of sheep and flocks, that the whole world will serve him, that everything will come up Jacob. Well, he thinks Esau, but that everything will be coming up Jacob. As soon as Isaac's done... Jacob leaves. Esau then almost immediately returns with his game and cooks the food and asks his father to bless him. At this point, Isaac is deeply disturbed because he realizes that he has been tricked by Jacob into giving the blessing he had intended for Esau to Jacob. Esau begs him in tears to give him a blessing, any blessing. And the only blessing that Isaac can manage, the only one that's left, is that Esau will serve Jacob. That as many things as come up Jacob things will almost come up Esau. Esau is pissed. Not only has he lost his birthright, he's lost his blessing. And since they believe and are correct in thinking that God has promised them an incredible position in history, this blessing is not like a happy pat on the back. This is imbued with power and everyone in the society would have believed it. So Esau has a right to be pissed. And what he decides is that once Isaac is dead, he is going to kill Jacob because Jacob's a little jerk who has it coming. Rebecca understands that this is definitely Esau's plan, and so she decides to beg Isaac to send Jacob away. Of course, Rebecca can't come right out and say, well, I had Jacob trick you into thinking he was Esau, so she comes up with a strategy. Esau had married some foreign girls, and it really, really bothered both Isaac and Rebecca. Esau was a troublesome child, he was a troublesome adult, and he continuously didn't live up to the promise that he should have been living up to as the oldest son. So Rebecca tells Isaac that if Jacob does the same thing that Esau did, she'll have no reason to go on living. So Isaac summons Jacob and tells him to go back to their homeland, their ancestral homeland, you know, the same place Rebecca had come from, to find himself a wife. 
This effectively disposes of Jacob so that he's out of Esau's reach. Esau also understands that that is exactly what just happened. What Jacob doesn't know is that in being sent away from his father's house, he has also been sent away from his mother, Rebekah. He will never see her again. She will die before Jacob gets to come home. Jacob has been banished, essentially, from the family, carrying the birthright and the blessing and no way of collecting on it. On his way to Rebekah's homeland, he ends up camping, as one does, and has a dream. He sees a ladder or a staircase going up into heaven and angels going up and down. He sees heaven or a glimpse of it, and he hears the voice of God. God now passes the promise of Abraham and Isaac down to Jacob, that the land he is sleeping on will become his, that his descendants will outnumber the stars. You know the drill. And that through Jacob, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This isn't just a promise about conquering and taking and living on a land. This is a promise of immense generosity that will come through Jacob's line. God also promises to be with Jacob wherever he goes, the same way he did for Abraham and Isaac. And now the promise belongs to Jacob. When Jacob wakes up, he realizes that this dream was no mere dream. This dream was a vision that God had spoken to him, that he now carries the promise of Abraham and Isaac, and he sets up a stone to remember it. And he calls the place Bethel, meaning the house of God. And Jacob promises on the stone at Bethel that if God goes with him wherever he goes, that if he survives and gets to return to his father's house, then he will serve the Lord exclusively, that the Lord shall be his God, and that he will give God a tenth of all he has. Many years ago, Abraham had given a tenth of all he had to Melchizedek, the priest and king of Salem, and now Jacob is promised to do the same thing if God will show up for him. Jacob leaves Bethel and continues on his way to his mother's people. Next episode, we're going to find out if Jacob can outsmart his own match when he gets to Rebekah's people. As it turns out, Jacob's not the only conniving little jerkhead that lives in this time period, and he's about to find out just how slimy someone else can be. On the other hand, we're also going to get to find out Jacob's other match. You know, it's going to be pretty exciting. So, stay tuned.